Well, the Cubs have won the World Series. Donald Trump has won the presidency. And never before in the history of the United States have these people been so prayerful, all right? Matter of fact, uh, I don't think ever in the history of, of our country have we been praying more about things. Now, whether or not you like Donald Trump or, or whatever you think about this particular election, this is a time for our people to stand up and pray. And that's actually what we're going to do this morning together. We're going we're gonna to pray because it is our, is our privilege as uh, citizens of the United States, uh, as well as our obligation as followers of Jesus, uh, both to uphold and respect the position of presidency, as well as to pray for those that are in power over us. And so uh, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and I'm, I'm going to ask that you all would join me. Would you do that? Father, we, uh, we come to you, and we thank you that you are our king, and that we can acknowledge that. Father, that, uh, that no matter who gets put in uh, positions of authority, that you remain in power. And, and we also acknowledge the fact that, that no one steps in positions of authority except for those who you put into those places. And so we trust in you in that. Father, for, uh, for Donald Trump, uh, who will be our president coming up, we pray for an immense amount of wisdom. Uh, Lord, that you will guide him, that you will direct him, uh, that you allow him to put people around him that will, that will make him better, that will keep him honest, that will cause our country to actually move in a direction uh, toward you, Father, not away from you. Lord, we also pray for the people in this country and the division that has been caused because of some of these uh, elections. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help to unite us and allow your voice to come back into play in our great, uh, our great states of America. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to the gathering here at Trace. Uh, this is a place... Um, where our mission is to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And as Aaron told us last week, where pastors tell bad jokes, okay? Uh, my name is Corey, and I'm one of the pastors that will probably cause you to murmur at a couple bad jokes today. Uh, but I understand that you're not here uh, to be entertained. You're not here for the jokes. Uh, whether you're here in this place or you're watching this online, uh, you showed up today. You, you gave up your time so that you might be able to learn something today and something particularly about God. And, and that's actually what this whole series is designed to do. Matter of fact, when Aaron and I were, were sitting in a room and we were going over this series, we actually had another series in place. And we decided to postpone that series so that we could talk about this, the overflow of what we have been learning and growing in in our heart. And, and over the course of the past year or so, there have been things that have stuck out to Aaron and have stuck out to me. And we just wanted an opportunity to allow those things to flow out from us and on to you. And so the thing that I want to share with you guys today is in regards to prayer. And, and more specifically, a, a God who, who speaks. And, and this is what I know about prayer. Okay, And this is what I know about a God that speaks. Every single one of you guys that are sitting in here listening to this online need to hear from God in some area of your life. Many of you guys actually want to hear from God in some area of your life. And might I propose that there's a God who actually wants to speak to you in that particular area of your life. But too often we get sidetracked, we get numb, and we have barriers that block us from actually hearing from God. And so we're going to talk a lot about hearing from God. But before we do that, I think we need to take a look at our prayer perspective and maybe challenge some of our approaches to prayer in the first place. Matter of fact, I wonder if some of you guys approach prayer kind of like this. 
I prayed 403 times a day. Yes, all right? Got it. It's, it's a matter of, of quantity, all right? Uh, some of you all, your prayers may sound more like this. Dear God, my prayer for this coming year is a fat bank account and a thin body, but please don't mix them up like you did last year. Amen. <laughs> all right? Some of our prayers kind of sound a little bit like that, but let me, let me just stop right there and ask you guys a question that will guide this conversation. Why is it that you pray the way that you pray? Now, I'm going to do something a little unorthodox here, okay? I know I prayed at the beginning of the message, and I'm going to pray at the end of the message, but I'm going to ask that you all would actually pray with me in the middle of the message. Can you all do that with me? Okay, at least just out of exercise for a moment. So let us pray. Dear Lord, all right, pause the prayer for a minute. What did you guys just do? What did you just do? Okay, I, I, just, I watched you, okay? Uh, most of you guys bowed your heads, right? Uh, those of you that are not heathens actually closed your eyes. I saw a few of you with your eyes open, okay? Some of you even, even folded your hands like this. Why? Why did you just do that? Why did you take that posture in prayer? Now, here's what I can tell you. I've been around the world, and I've seen other people who are praying to the same God that you're praying to, and they pray a lot different than what you guys just did. Some of them are down on their knees with their heads bowed to the ground. Others are laid prostrate on the ground. Some of them with their hands raised high. Some of them all speaking at once at the top of their, at the top of their lungs, all in unison at different times. Some people pray with their hands extended open like this as, as if they're offering God something or receiving something. So why did you pray the way that you just prayed? Or, or, or think about the, the, the lingo, the verbiage that we use. How did you know that I was praying? I, I addressed God, right? I said, dear God. Dear Jesus, dear Lord, but, but why do we say the things that we say in our prayer language? Because you're not going to find that particular address anywhere in Scripture. That, that rhetoric is not there. So why is it that we do the things that we do and say the things that we say? And here's what I would contend. We pray the way that we pray, and we say the things that we say, because somewhere along the way, we were taught that way to pray. I didn't mean for all of that to rhyme, but it did, okay? Uh, so, so we get taught how to pray. And this is what I mean by being taught. Some of us have actually received specific instruction, or we've read books about how to actually pray and engage God in that way. Um, others of us, most of us, have learned to pray by observation. Okay? We've observed other people's prayers, and then we've kind of absorbed those into our own life. The problem with that is that we are at the mercy of our teacher when it comes to prayer. And Jesus, he tells us that there are good examples and that there are bad examples of how to pray. Matter of fact, he gives us a, a couple examples of, of some bad ways to pray. He says, and when you pray, by, by the way, look at the, the language here that Jesus uses. He doesn't say if you pray, he says when you pray. There's an expectation, there's an assumption that this is just something that you're going to do, okay? Uh, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. There are bad examples of prayers. And if I am being completely honest with you, Jesus is speaking to me in that passage often. Uh, sometimes I care more about what other people hear me say than whether or not I'm actually heard by God. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. But the fact of the matter is if you start to sound spiritual in your prayers you're probably doing it wrong, okay? A, a prayer should sound more like a conversation than it does a sermon. Imagine with me for a moment, how cool would it be for people not to be able to distinguish between when you were talking to them and when you were talking to God? That's just how conversational you happen to be with him. 
Now, that's an, that's an incredible image. And here's the deal. I understand that there is a, a degree of, of reverence and of awe and respect that we must have when we become before the Almighty God. Okay, don't get me wrong in that. But catch this. Jesus changed things for us. See, his work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, he came so that he could draw people near to God. And it changed our status with us and with him. It changed our position to him. We now have the ability to approach the throne of God as children. We can come before him with confidence. You see, I don't know if you, you know this or not, but we used to actually have to go through somebody else in order to talk to God. We have to go through a priest or we'd have to go through a prophet. But because of what Jesus has done, he said, hey, here's the deal, guys. Through my spirit and in my name, you now have a pathway to God directly to him. And in so doing, he gave us a prayer privilege. A lot of us don't see prayer as being a privilege. Some of us see it as being an obligation. We see it as being a duty, something that's difficult for us to do. It is a privilege. And I think that that's a perspective that needs to be challenging us if we're going to actually be able to hear from God the way he wants to speak to us. And again, we're going to get there, but I think there's a few other perspectives that need to be challenged. I think we need to break prayer a little bit for us. Uh, One of the perspectives is this. Uh, There's power in prayer. Uh, Ironically, um, that, that statement, in the name of Jesus, is something that we oftentimes use as kind of the signature to our prayer. But when that statement is used in Scripture, you know how it's used? It's used right before something miraculous is about to happen. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, demons come out of that man. In the name of Jesus, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, will the Broncos please get an offensive line? (laughs) That might be used a little out of context, okay? But you guys get the picture, right? There is power. There is power in prayer. I've actually heard it said, and I believe it to be true, that God limits his power to the prayers of his people. Now, if that's a true statement, it ought to change the way that we pray and the prayers that we pray because God is a big God. And, and the crazy thing is in Scripture, we're actually told that our prayers can, can shift the mind of God. We can actually change His mind. Because that is power. We need to approach it as such. Another prayer perspective. Prayer is intimate. Okay? You all probably don't think about it this way. We think of it as being kind of boring and stale, but prayer is actually very intimate. It is one of the most intimate ways we can connect with God and with others. As a matter of fact, I, I heard just this past week from a friend of mine that some Bible colleges are actually highly discouraging uh, people from the opposite sex, opposite gender, from praying together while, while they're not married because studies show that prayer leads to sex, Okay. I thought it was just dancing that led to sex, but evidently prayer does too, okay? Uh, and so they, they say, hey, don't, don't be praying together if you're not married. Um, matter of fact, um, I kind of picked up on this, and my, my wife and I sometimes, we, we pray three times a day, if you know what I mean. <laughs> she didn't know I was going to say that, so. Seriously, though, okay? Here's the deal. Prayer brings people closer together and into a deeper relationship with God. That's how it was designed. Another thing, prayer is an ongoing conversation. This is a perspective that we need to have. In the Muslim world, Muslims, I have great respect for them. I've seen them at this practice. They pray five times a day religiously. Jews, they pray three times a day religiously. Christians, we pray maybe at dinner time, right? 
Uh, and that's if we make enough time to actually sit down with our family and we're not like starving and, and, you know, halfway through dinner, we're like, oh, I forgot to pray. But that's not how we've been instructed. That's not what prayer is supposed to be for the Christian. We're, we're actually instructed to pray without ceasing, pray continually, to have an ongoing conversation with God that doesn't end. Matter of fact, I heard a statement. I don't know who to attribute it to, so I'll, I'll just say that Aaron Pennington said this, okay? Uh, he said this. He says, I save my amen for the end of the day. Love that perspective when it comes to prayer. But oftentimes, we think of it as a moment in time, as something that we have to pray that's wrote. It is an ongoing conversation with God. The problem is that most of us have only been uh, taught to talk to God, okay? And, and probably insufficiently so. But I can guarantee this. Um, most of us have been insufficiently taught on the other side of prayer, which is the hearing from God thing, okay? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to spend some time um, understanding and being taught about what it looks like, what it sounds like to hear from God. So how do you hear from a God that speaks? Now, if you're anything like me, uh, you've probably not heard the audible voice of God. I've, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I don't have any close friends that have heard the audible voice of God. I understand that he's spoken audibly throughout history. I'm not putting that past him. But in today's society, in the situation that we're in, I, I can't tell you that he's going to speak to you audibly. However, I can tell you, because I've experienced it, that there are three ways in which I know that God still speaks to his people today. And here they are. The word of God, the people of God, and the Spirit of God. That's how God speaks to us today. First and foremost, let's take a look at the Word of God, okay? Now, some of you guys don't believe this, and I totally understand that, but there are a compilation of, of writings that are inspired by God that have been put together in what we call the Bible, the canon. Uh, this is what we consider to be the Word of God. And out from its pages flow wisdom, flow instruction. It tells us of the character of God. And when we're in here, what happens is God shares something with us. He speaks to us. You see, God is not some God who put things in motion and then said, good luck figuring this thing out. We truly believe that God decided to reveal himself to us. And this is one of the ways in which he does that. This is the revealed word of God that allows us to understand who he is and what he wants for our life. That's one of the reasons why at Trace we're so big on, on people being in the Word of God every day. And we encourage people to do the D1, which is one chapter, one verse, one thought, one moment, and one prayer. Because if you're in the Word every day, you have an opportunity to hear from God. All right, secondly, the people of God. God has, has chosen to speak through people all throughout history. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that there is wisdom in lots of counsel. Not that all counsel is wise, but when you have a group of people that are seeking after God and those people are around you in, in, in your life, they have an opportunity to affirm you and to encourage you. And they also have an opportunity to, to correct you and, and to caution you. That's what the people of God do. We have an opportunity to hear from God on others' behalf and be able to speak into their life. God speaks through his people, and he's done that for me on multiple occasions. But, but what we're going to spend the majority of the rest of our time on is this concept of God speaking through the Spirit. Okay, How does God speak through the Spirit? Now, this is one that's tricky because I think oftentimes uh, we've been exposed to this probably on opposite ends of the spectrum, and it makes it really hard. Uh, on one side, it's this really weird thing. We're like, I don't, I don't even want to kind of engage. I don't even want to go there because the people that I know that do that are really on the far side of this and they're really weird. So I'm just not even going to ask God to speak through his spirit. 
And on the other side, uh, you, have, you have people that are like, all right, God, you want me to eat Frosted Flakes this morning or a Fruit Loops? I'm, I'm just not sure, okay? Speak to me through your spirit. And so we have these two opposite ends of the spectrum uh, where we just get this wrong. And so I'm going to try to bring this kind of center today a little bit because it is so important that we hear from God in this manner. And this is why it's important. Jesus tells us, he says, my sheep, they know my voice. I know them and they follow me. See, in order to be able to follow Jesus the way he wants us to follow him, we have to be able to hear his voice. And his voice comes through his spirit. Now, I'm going to make a statement, okay? And this is going to be a tough statement for some of us to understand. I'm going to walk us through that a little bit. Just hang on with me for a minute. When I'm talking about hearing from the Spirit of God, this is what I want you to think of. This is the definition we're going to work with from today. It's the free flow of thought that goes through your mind when you fix your eyes on Jesus. The free flow of thought that goes through your mind when you fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, that's a hard statement because a lot of times the question that we have is, how do I know that that's God speaking to me and not something else? Okay, now this is not just a practical statement. This is actually a theological one. And, and let, me, let me break it down for you. Let me show you what I mean by that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, a great chapter on the Spirit of God and how he interacts. Okay, but this is what it says. It says, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. I think most of us are okay with that concept. We understand that. The Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. Well, what this chapter says previously, and it tells us otherwhere in Scripture, that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you know what happens? He actually gives us His Spirit to live in us and dwell in us. You all follow me? Okay. So if the Spirit of God lives in us and dwells in us, and He knows the thoughts of God, then we have access to the thoughts of God because God's Spirit lives in us. Now, furthermore, in verse 16, it says we have the mind of Christ. Now, you and I both know that we don't always live with the mind of Christ because some of the thoughts that we think are not his thoughts, right? But we have the capacity to be able to think like Jesus because we actually throw off all that enters us and we put on Jesus. That's what happens. And one of those things that we put on is the mind of Christ. And so we have an opportunity when our minds are actually focused on him to think through the thoughts of God as he speaks them to our minds. And so you know what the voice of God oftentimes sounds like? My wife. All right, but that's, that's a secondary thing, okay? It also sounds like Morgan Freeman, okay? Uh, but the voice of God often sounds like the thoughts in your head when your mind is fixed on Christ. Now, you still might be asking, how do I know that that's from God and not just my own random thoughts or some other spirit or something like that, okay? Here's the deal. We go back to the other things that we know that God speaks, the Word of God. Anything that God speaks to you guys, understand, it is not going to contradict the revealed word of God that he's already given to us. Okay, so you challenge those things against what we already know about the character and nature of God and the things that he's shown us to be true. The other thing that you do is you bring it to people of God and you share that with them and you let them speak into your life. And what you'll find out is, is those people will look at you and they'll go, you know what, that sounds to me like God. That fits right into the identity of how he's created you. Or they'll look back at you and go, I don't, I don't know, but I think you're smoking some, some of that Colorado stuff um, because that doesn't sound anything like I know of God. Okay, The word of God and the people of God affirm the spirit of God that's in us. This is important for us. 
Okay, because hearing from God allows us to follow him. Now, let me give you guys just a real uh, practical example of what this looks like. Because the, the fact of the matter is hearing from God is one of the reasons that uh, my family and I are here right now doing this, this Trace Church plant. Uh, and, and what happened was, is uh, a little bit over a year ago, this guy named Jamie Winship uh, came to our church. And he was, he was teaching uh, us on, on listening prayer and how to hear from God. Uh, he, he has been a, a significant influence in my life, and I really hope that you guys get to hear from him at some point in time. There's a possibility he'll come here in the spring, okay? Uh, he, he sits down with a group of us pastors from the, the church that are on staff. And he sits us in his room, and, and this is what he says to us. He said, here's, here's what I'm going to do. This is my job. My job is to get you in a room with Jesus and expect him to show up. Plain and simple. And that's exactly what he did. He sat down and he prayed a prayer and he allowed us to enter into the presence of God. And then he asked us to ask God this question. He said, now ask God this. What do you want me to know right now? Give me a word. And he gave it a few minutes. And he he allowed the silence of the room to be filled with God's voice in our hearts and our heads and then he started going around the room, and, and thankfully he started on the opposite side of the room instead of starting with me, but he starts with this guy, and he says, he says uh, did, did God speak anything to you? He says, remember, your, your mind is on the mind of God, so what was the first thought that came through your head? And he shared his thought, and, and he asked a follow-up question. He said, uh, does, does that make sense to you? And the guy said, yeah, I, I know exactly what that means to me. And he goes to the next person, he said, did, did God speak anything to you? Um, he said, I, I don't know, but I felt like this was the word. And, and so then he follows up with a question. He says, does that make sense to you? He goes, no, I have no clue what that means. And so he follows up with another prayer. He says, God, what is it that you want him to know about that? And he gives him room to speak. And all of a sudden, this guy starts to share some of the thoughts that are coming through his mind about what that thing is. And all of a sudden, now it makes sense to him. And he continues on the room, and I'm starting to get a little bit nervous because uh, the assignment was to, to, to ask God the one thing that he wanted us to know, and for some reason, I felt like God gave me four things, okay? And so I'm like, I didn't know if I'm an overachiever or if I'm failing the test here. Um, but he gets to me, and, uh, and I'm having this battle in my mind, and, uh, and literally, I'm trying to figure out the one thing that, that he was speaking to me, and it's, my mind is still focused on God. I hear him say this to me, not audibly, but in my mind. He goes, Corey? I gave you four words. Why are you trying to narrow it down to one? I'm like, okay, all right, four words. So I start to scramble them up in a different order because the first word that he gave me was not going to be a popular one with the group of people that I was sitting around, and I'll tell you why here in a minute. Uh, But then I hear his voice again saying, Corey, I gave you those in the order that I gave them to you. Put them back. Okay, all right, I'll do that. So Jamie then calls on me, and he asks, you know, did God share anything with you? And I'm like, yeah. He actually shared four words, and he told me that the order was important. And he says, well, would you like to share those? And I said, yeah, I'll share them. And here are the words. They might not mean anything to you, but the words were this. Move, focus, resolve, and capable. And he asks me, he says, do you know what that means? And I said, yeah, I know exactly what that means. I'm glad he didn't ask me to elaborate on that right then because what it meant to me was this battle that I'd been struggling with. I was wondering if if I was capable of being able to come and do what God was asking me to do and I was asking for clarity in my life and, and I was just like, God, just tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'll go do it. And this is what God told me. He says, you're never gonna know what I want you to know unless you move first. 
You have to move before you're able to focus and get the clarity that you want. And then I'll give you the resolve and show you that you're capable. That's what he spoke to my heart. It was because of that that we took the steps that led us to this place right here, right now. Now, you might be sitting there going, man, I wish God would speak to me like that. I wish he would speak to me that clearly. Guys, I I know I'm a pastor, but I am nothing special. And this is a practice that I have not been doing for a very long time. Uh, He wants to speak to you in the same way that he spoke to me in that moment. I guarantee it, because we have a God that speaks. The fact of the matter, though, is there may be some things that actually stand in the way of us hearing from him. And and there are things all over the scripture in that regard. So we're going to cover a couple of those. We're going to take a look, first of all, unconfessed sin, guys. Okay, This is what it says, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. In other words, if there is something that's in between you and God, a sin issue that you have not confessed to him, guys, understand it is forgiven, but it affects the relationship. You got to get that out. Matter of fact, even as I was preparing this message this week, I was asking to hear from God on some things, and he was like, uh, you got to deal with that before I'm going to talk to you. And, and so I did, all right? You have to deal with the stuff that's in your life so that you can hear directly from him. Unbelief is another one that keeps us from hearing from God. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Guys, if you, if you don't expect God to show up and to talk to you, you're not going to hear from him. But the beautiful thing about this is this is the start of a prayer. God, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. All right, he wants you to believe that he's going to speak. Unforgiveness. Now, this is an interesting one because I think that this is probably the thing that I've, I've seen, witnessed, that actually stands in the way of people hearing from God the most. It says that when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Maybe the reason why you're not hearing from God in the way that you want to hear from him is because you're harboring something inside of your heart towards somebody else. And Jesus is a relational God. He says, go deal with that thing first, and then I'll talk to you about these things. Unforgiveness. Another relational aspect. Sometimes we're just unkind. The Bible even says husbands in the same way can be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayer request. Guys, when we're unkind to our spouses, I believe this, this stands for just more than husbands, all right? When we're unkind, God says, guys, make that right in that relationship first, and then I will speak to you on these things. But probably uh, the most important thing, the thing that we get caught up on the most is this. We're just unavailable. We just don't, we don't give God the space to speak into our life. We don't give him the opportunity and, and, and therefore, we have to find these, these solitary spaces in order to allow God to speak to us. As a matter of fact, Jesus is even recorded on multiple occasions. But in the, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, it, it tells a scenario. And Jesus is, is healing these people and he's teaching these people. And, and he's getting caught up in, in doing all these good things. And, and then he feels this need to, to actually get away and be with his father for a little bit. And, and the people are pleading with him to stay. And, and he actually, at daybreak, goes away and gets away at the solitary place. And in that moment, he is reminded of his purpose and of his mission. He, he must speak the gospel to everybody that's around there, not just to these people. And, and because he heard from God in that solitary space, he was able to go do what it was that God was asking him to do. He didn't get sidetracked because he made himself available. 
This is a hard thing in our day and age. It's a hard thing in our society and the busyness and the clutter of our life with all the distractions that we have. And to be honest with you, uh, it's been hard for me to find kind of a, a place here in the springs. But when I was down in Arizona, I had a spot and it was, I called it the butte of God, all right? My, my kids thought that was funny. Uh, but this was the butte of God. And, and so I would, I would walk up this path. It would take a little effort to get there. But on my way, I would walk and I would pray. For some reason, I just, I'm able to converse with God better when I'm moving. That's just how I'm wired. And so I'd walk and I'd pray. And then when I'd get up to the top, this, is, this would be my view from the top. This view gave me a, almost a 360 view of the, of the area that God had given me to minister to. The area that I was pastoring. And I just got to sit up on top of this mountain, or this butte. And uh, we can't call it a mountain. You guys are from Colorado. You all know what mountains are, okay? Um, I would sit on top of this butte and, and I would just, I would allow God to speak things into my heart and into my mind and to pray over these people that we were ministering to. I needed a place of solitude in order to be able to hear from God in the way that he wanted me to hear from him. Which leads us to the one thing for the day. And I, and I stole this one thing from a guy named Bill Hybels who wrote a book called Too Busy Not to Pray. All right, this is an incredible book. If you are looking for some additional resources, I would highly recommend this book, okay? But this is the one thing for today. The heart and soul of the Christian life is learning to hear God's voice and developing the courage to do what he tells us to do. That is the heart and soul of the Christian life, hearing from God and doing what he tells us to do. But guess what that does? It takes learning. That's not something that just comes naturally. That's not something we, we just pick up on. It's something that actually takes intentionality. And I think that we would benefit greatly from doing what one of the disciples did when they got Jesus in a room alone. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. The, the wonderful thing about this is that these disciples were talking face-to-face to Jesus. Okay, But this is actually our prayer, and this is how he wants us to pray these things. As if we're talking face-to-face with him. Lord, teach us to pray. Because the fact of the matter is, a lot of us, we don't even know where to start. We don't know where to begin. And so, uh, in the spirit of, of me being a student pastor, I get to hang around with a bunch of middle school and high schoolers all the time. And, and, and for some reason, this, this weird correlation came to my mind. I was like, you know, prayer is kind of like teaching a middle school boy to talk to a girl for the first time. All right? And so that's how I'm going to teach you guys in the few moments that we have left. Together today, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna instruct a middle school boy on how to talk to a girl for the first time, and then we're gonna make a correlation to prayer. Y'all ready for this? All right, middle schoolers, if you're here, take notes. Okay, say something nice. Okay, tell the truth, ask a question, and then shut your pie hole. Okay, <laughs> that that's how you, that's how you try. Talk to a middle school. You're going to make it worse if you keep talking, right? Okay? Say something nice. Now, let me correlate this to prayer. Okay? Say something nice. Everybody likes to be affirmed, right? Everybody likes to, to be told something nice about themselves. No one is more deserving of our affirmation than God. And it doesn't have to be anything profound. It could be something incredibly simple. But when you come into the presence of God, affirm him in some, some way. And it could be as simple as, God, thanks for hearing my prayer today. You are, you are so good. Like, I can't even explain you. I think you're pretty. That's what we're after, okay? That's what we're after. Secondly is tell the truth. All right, for a middle school boy, it would be, I really don't know how to do this, but I like you, <laughs> right? For God, 
I think oftentimes we approach prayer and we pray prayers like we think that God wants us to pray them. We say things like we think that he wants to hear them. And he's sitting there going, guys, I already know what's going on. Why don't you just tell me the truth? See, God can shape and mold a truth teller. He can't do anything with a liar. He wants us to tell the truth. And that may be this. Okay, God, I have no clue where to start in this whole prayer thing. I just don't know. What is it that you want me to know about prayer? And that actually shapes the prayer that comes about. Lord, teach me to pray. It may be, God, I know that you want to speak to me through your word, but honestly, right now, I just want to sleep. I don't want to read your word, okay? And that shapes a prayer. God, what is it that keeps me from wanting to do that? And, and maybe, God, could you give me a passion for your word that, that drives me to get up in the morning to read it? It, it may be a confession. And here's the confession, guys. Confession is simply telling the truth. And, and it, might be, it might be this. God, I, I know I'm supposed to think about spiritual things, but right now I'm completely consumed with the addiction that is overcoming me. It's the thing that is, that is driving my thoughts, and I just can't get it out of my mind. It, it might be, God, I just don't love my wife right now. I just don't. Tell the truth. And then ask a question. And when you ask a question, I'm going to give you two questions to ask today. When you ask a question, then listen for the answer. And here's the question that you need to ask. First of all, what is it that you want me to know about blank? And then listen. Give God space to speak to you in that particular area. God, what is it you want me to know about the fact that I don't love my wife right now? Selfish, selfishness, that's what's coming to my mind right now. Okay, I'm going to need more on that one. So, Lord, what is it that you want me to know about selfishness? Oh, oh I'm being selfish. That went a totally different direction than I was expecting. Okay, gotcha, okay. Uh, and here's the second question, okay? What do you want me to do about what you just showed me? What do you want me to know about and what do you want me to do about, okay? That's the Christian life. Lord, what do you want me to know about the fact that I'm being selfish, Stay up and wash the dishes for your wife. All right, I can do that. Uh, oh, there's more. Okay. Uh, tell her you love her. But did you see what she said? It doesn't matter. Tell her you. But I don't even feel like. Just tell her you love her. Okay, I will. Oh, one more. Okay. Oh, rub her back tonight without expecting anything in return? Can't we just pray a little bit? Okay. You'll get it a little bit. All right. <clears throat> Guys, that is prayer. That is the other half of prayer. Sometimes we just speak a whole lot and God is just going, will you please be quiet so that I can share something with you, so that I can answer you? You see, I'm learning this, guys. I don't have it figured out, but when I used to pray, I would talk. Now when I pray, I try to listen. It is hard because I'm a talker. But God wants to speak to us and then he wants us to do what he tells us to do. Because that's what we learned here, right? The heart and soul of a Christian life is learning to hear God's voice. That's only half the equation. And developing the courage to do what he tells us to do. That's called obedience. And this is what we know. When we hear the voice of God and we actually do what he tells us to do, his voice becomes louder, more prominent, more clear in our life. It just does. It does. But the inverse of that is true as well. When we hear from God and we choose not to obey, no matter how big or how small that thing is, and we choose not to listen, that voice becomes fainter and fainter in our lives. But 
God wants it to be big. He wants to direct our steps. He wants us to hear from him clearly and confidently because that is the kind of God that we serve. He is a God who speaks.